sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Thank the Lord for the second night of our Daughter You Can Make It convention. How many have been blessed so far? It's good. And I believe that as our sister sang, You Can Make It in the year 2000. Amen. That was a powerful song. Your tender eyes will take you places. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I want to introduce my wife of uh, 11 years standing to you. <laughs> Many of you have seen her before, but tonight you also see her again. And um, she's been a friend. She was first an acquaintance. I remember when I met her at the Spanish department, I've forgotten her name. And um, I didn't know that this lady whose name I'd forgotten was going to be my wife one day. And um, we have grown together in our relationship, in our love. Uh, she's the woman I love. Amen. And uh, I'm glad to stand here after so many years. Um, we've been together. She has been through many of the difficult times we've had in the church. Uh, from the very beginning and before the beginning. She's been around and she's been a solid support um, and I thank God for giving her to me in this life as a companion amen and um, I'm, I want to say that I'm blessed she's a very gentle delicate tender beautiful wonderful woman amen <laughs> sign that she's human is our children. <laughs> Whatever you see is what you read, you know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> hallelujah. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm glad that she's preaching. I don't know why we've taken so long to have a program like this. I don't know why. Maybe you can tell me why. Uh, but it's good that we are having it and I want you to open your heart and receive the word and like I was saying yesterday um, there are some things that uh, you, may, you may not be a man but you, because you are a woman there are some things that are in you that you can share and minister uh, in a way that people can receive you know um, and so I believe that even as she shares the word of God with you um, what she's going to say and what she's going to share and how she will share it. I cannot do that She's the one who can do that. So 
open your heart and receive it because uh, God uses different vessels to bless in different ways. Amen. And I believe that today you'll be blessed. And as she also ministers, I want you to, every woman here, take the inspiration and see yourself not as just as somebody who bears children, but as somebody who bears fruit for the Lord. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to stand to your feet and welcome my wife to minister the word of God tonight. much Bishop <laughs> thank you shall we pray Holy Spirit, thank you for being here. Thank you for your comfort. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your counsel. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for your companionship. Thank you for your ability to teach. Holy Spirit, I worship you. Thank you for being here. Thank you that your word will go forth in power. And it shall be followed by signs and wonders. Thank you for a confirmation of your word in our presence today. Thank you that every heart shall have its needs met, O oh God. Thank you for a visitation of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Bishop, for that warm introduction. When I was getting ready to come this evening, I saw him also trying to get ready and I'm like, where are you going? And he said, oh, but I'm coming to the meeting. I said, oh, please, if you come, sit at the back because I'll be shy. <laughs> I thank God the Holy Spirit makes us bold. Amen. It's a privilege and an honor once more to be here to minister to you. In fact, this evening is one of my most cherished moments because... I have had my husband introduce me. Please give him a hand. 
daughter. I want to acknowledge the presence of all of you and especially the pastor's wives who are visiting with us, Reverend Mrs. Ousubempa and Mrs. Amwako, Salifu Amwako. Please give them a hand again. <laughs> Thank you for your support. I think God is doing something new in our nation today. This evening, because tomorrow is Sunday, we will not be long. I want to share with you um, the tightest two women. The tightest two women. The tightest two women. It was a woman in history who was the first to fall. The first to fall into sin was a woman. And that was Eve. And the last at the cross was also a woman. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus. And the first to visit the sepulchre was also a woman. Mary who said that she had seen the Lord. <laughs> and even the men did not believe it. So even though Eve was a channel, <laughs> excuse me, through which the fall of man came, also through a woman, the resurrection of Christ was proclaimed. Amen. I always say that women have a choice as to what they want to be. We are just vessels, and we can choose to be vessels of honor or vessels of dishonor. Amen. And we are good at both. If you want to be vessels of dishonor, we are very good at it. And if you want to be vessels of honor too, we are very good at it. I thank God that you and I have decided that <coughs> we would let Jesus make his home in us so that we can become all that he wants us to be. Amen. Let's read Titus 2, 3 to 5 or so. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderous, not giving too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedience to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Amen. Now Paul was writing to Timothy about the qualities of a sound church. He was telling Timothy that if you want a sound church, this is how to go about it. And he says about the women that the older women should teach the younger women. Now as I keep saying, it is a, something that is believed that women <coughs> are their own enemies. And I mean examples abound about widow brides, inner problems, fictions here and there. But in the Bible we have examples of Ruth and Naomi and Mary and Elizabeth. And yet we find Paul saying that older women can teach younger women. Amen. This is because in the church they were Christians. The older women were Christians. They had known the Lord for some time. And therefore they could teach the younger women what to do. Now in the church 
now maybe that, those relationships are not being nurtured so much older women are not taking any interest in younger women and younger women are also feeling well we are also we've arrived we are the same and also are not taking any cue from the older women and because of that the soundness of the church is limited but i believe that the church of god can be sounder and the kingdom of god can be better extended if women will learn to nurture woman-to-woman relationships now the amplified reads beat the older women similarly to be reverent and devout in their department as becomes those engaged in sacred service not slanderous or slaves to drink they are to give good counsel and be teachers of what is right and noble so that they wisely train the young women to be sane and sober of mind temperate and disciplined and to love their husbands and their children to be self-controlled chaste homemakers good-natured that is kind-hearted adapting and subordinating themselves to their husbands that the word of god may not be exposed to reproach blasphemed or discredited amen so god has called us to holiness and in many charismatic circles these days we know god so well and we are so confident of his grace and his mercy that we feel that character and holiness and righteous living doesn't really matter it's like because the bible says that christ has set you free therefore stand in your liberty so our liberties are going beyond bounds amen we feel so liberated that our liberties are becoming stumbling blocks to the gospel but our nature our the way our deportment the way we live is supposed to draw people to christ the bible says adorn the gospel with your good works you need to beautify the gospel by the way you live now it is interesting in the process that the older women should also be reverent in the way they carry themselves so the older women are supposed to be good examples so you can only mentor or be a blessing to others when you yourself have allowed god to do something in your life and not just by the mere fact that you are an older sister in the lord and you feel that you know better it also says that they should give good counsel now it is sad to say that when many older women give good counsel some women say they say on your shoes you are wasn't teachable a man is not a pillow that you should rest your head in it means that you shouldn't feel too comfortable when you are with a man you know to sleep and forget about everything no and some people say that your husband should never know how much you earn isn't it because when he knows he's going to add your money to his foolishness and live in any way and there's so many pieces of advice that are bound about marriage about life that people get from older women but they are not necessarily older women who are working reverently and in a sacred way and therefore the, the bible is not expecting you to be guided by that type of counsel the bible specifies that it is by sacred counsel that you should be guided so we as older women should also mind the way we live our lives the bible says not slanderous the dictionary says that slander is a malicious gossip so if you 
the older woman who's supposed to know God better. You are malicious slanderer. How are you going to minister one-on-one -on -one to that younger woman who is coming up? It also says that we should not be given to drink. I used to think that women don't get drunk. But now I know that I don't know better than God. So if God says that the older woman should not be given to drink, then I admonish you here, if you've been taking a quarter, please do not be given to drink. Amen. They are to give good counsel and to be teachers of what is right and noble, so that they will wisely train the young women to be sane and sober of mind. Amen. And then it lists all the things. Disciplined, to love their husbands and their children. Most of the time you think, oh, isn't it natural for women to just love their husbands? But love is not just emotion. Amen. And marriage takes more than love. And to love their children. You think that women would naturally love their children. But the Bible says older women should teach the younger women the how-to of loving their children. To be self-controlled. Chase, that is fear. Homemakers. Some people say me, I'm a career woman. I'm not a homemaker. As for me, I have acrylic nails. I can't cook. You know, I can't put my nails in water because I have acrylic nails. But they say that you should be a homekeeper or a homemaker. Amen. In addition to all that you are, good natured. A woman is supposed to be good natured. The Bible says that homes are made by the wisdom of women and destroyed by their foolishness. If you go into a house and there's no warmth and there's no flow, it usually depends on the woman. And if there's a flow, it also depends on the woman. Adapting and subordinating themselves to their husbands. I'm just explaining the verse before I go. It says that you are to subordinate yourself to your husband, not your husband subordinating you. Amen. And we're supposed to adapt. This morning we did things about temperaments. And some people discover their temperaments. It says that you should adapt and subordinate yourself to your husband. That the word of God may not be exposed to reproach. So that the word of God will not be a thing of shame. So that people will not laugh and say, ah, but this girl who comes to your church, I know her, she's this and that and that. The word of God is supposed to be kept sacred. It's supposed to win others. It's not supposed to be a source of shame. Amen. And to behave prudently. But the word of God may not be exposed to reproach, blasphemed, or discredited. Amen. I'm not looking for my notes. So the Titus 2 woman is a woman who nurtures relationships with other women. Amen. She's a woman who nurtures relationships with other women. She doesn't think that she's just self-sufficient, she's alright, and there's nothing she needs to learn from anybody. And she doesn't think that as for her, she can receive from only men. Sometimes women have said that, as for me, the only people I can flow with are men. If you are like that, then you are likely to be very masculine in your approach and in your perspective in life. You need a balance. Amen. When we allow God to do His work in us and make us what He wants us to be, then we can be used properly for His purpose. 
because he would have fashioned us the way we ought to be. So all that I'm saying is that character is important. It's okay to speak in tongues. It's okay to prophesy. It's okay to lead worship and all that. But character is important. Now one of the things that Paul lists that the older woman should teach the younger woman is to be sober. Now the word sober also means to be temperate or to be self-controlled. To be temperate or to be self-controlled. Now we have to be self-controlled as women in our speech, in our desires, in our dressing, in our emotions, in our thought lives, we must be self-controlled. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 25 says that he who strives for the mastery must be temperate in all things. You are supposed to be self-controlled in all things. So in all these areas of our lives, we must exercise self-control. Now sometimes we are not self-controlled in our desires. And that leads us on into trouble. Because she did not control her desires. The Bible says that when she saw the tree, she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes and good for taste. So she just ate it and then she gave Adam. And sadly enough, the Bible says that she gave him and he did eat. He didn't ask any questions. He just ate it, even though he was the man. So it's not the muscle. Amen. But it is the influence a woman has can do a lot. And so Eve was not self-controlled in her desires. She was just moved by whatever she felt like doing. And sometimes as women, we are just moved by our emotions. I feel like this, so this is how I behave. Nothing restrains us. Amen. Jezebel was also just moved by her desires to make her husband happy. That's all. Whether it's right or wrong, whether she goes about it the right way or not, she just does it because she's led just by her desires and their emotions. So sometimes we are also led by our desires. I want this pair of shoes. I'm a Christian, but I have to use my body to get it. That is my desire. My ultimate desire is the pair of shoes. And so it, it doesn't matter how those desires are fulfilled. And when we do that, we are not self-controlled in our desires. And when we are not self-controlled in our desires, it brings competition amongst us. Because you want everything that somebody else has, no matter what. And your desires are unrestrained. Amen? And we do not think sometimes that, even though we are all Christians, and even though we are all women, we may not all be the same, as Bishop preached yesterday. Amen? And apart from that, we may not all have had the same experiences. Sometimes you look at somebody and you desire all that the person has. But maybe the person has had a working life of like 15 years. And you have worked for 5 years. But you feel that you deserve what the person who has worked for 15 years has. And your desires are unrestrained. And you just go for it. And then it brings competition. And it brings jealousy. And you yourself are dissatisfied with your own life. And these things ought not to be so. Amen. And these are the very little ways in which the enemy comes in and sees our joy and works on us. We are supposed also to be self-controlled in our speech. Bishop says that women have the gift of the God. We can talk a lot and that, that is why we are good at um, learning languages. Because with languages you have to practice the speaking. 
to us we are speaking and bossing and all that the language too is being polished and you become better at that but also because of this gift we also can fall to the temptation of talking too much you see in a church we will be the agents to either spread the good news or to spread the bad news have you heard have you heard i hear that this and this and that i do think it's true ah you see that it is not true you see you add juice to the things you are saying and then that can even break churches or bring a church to the verge of collapse amen and and affect the kingdom of god in a negative way but it just started by you trying to chat and be normal your usual so you have to mind the things we say Ephesians 4 says that let your speech minister grace to the people who hear you and there have been times I've counseled women and I've said what you said was it right ah this is my immediate that's how I am if he gives it to me I'll also give it to him I'll not allow anybody to cheat me at all in this life but you are a Christian your life is not your own when you came and you accepted Christ you said Jesus should be Lord of all and he's supposed to be Lord of your speech as well Amen So I know the Bible says that gossip is like dainty mussels that go down in the belly. It may sound and taste sweet, but the end is bitter. We as women must watch our speech. In our dressing, Paul said that they should be discreet. Discreet is to mind the way you walk, the way you carry yourself, the way you speak, the way you dress. Amen. Nowadays people wear anything in the name of fashion. It doesn't matter. You wear a skirt, as for study you say half yard and it's very clingy and you say that it's the brothers who have a problem. As for you you don't have a problem. But Paul says that we should be dressed modestly. Amen. You wear a dress and the neckline is so low and you feel that it doesn't matter as for you you are just being fashionable or you are just that's those are the clothes i'm comfortable in and i don't care how anybody feels but you have to be self controlled in the way you dress sometimes it's also because in the world we've been used to a certain way of dressing and we feel that i mean there's nothing wrong with it in bringing it into the church but we are supposed to renew our minds we are supposed to be changed from glory to glory amen people are supposed to see Christ in us so you don't just wear anything because everybody is wearing it you are a child of god and you are different i remember in legon there was a girl who was in carry road with us and at a point her room was next door and these common boys were doing this um stripping of themselves naked i tell you stuck naked and they would come and walk in water hall in the afternoon and this sister will go and sit in front of water hall just to see the boys a christian sister tongue talking and she would laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh you know and then one day my roommate asked her across you know from on the balcony that ah so you this thing that these people are doing and then you always go and watch them is it right she said that if they are stupid enough to expose themselves why should i not watch and she said oh but you can't do that you know and at that same time she was dressed very skimpily so my roommate said to her even your dress don't you feel shy or she said oh these people even your neck uh, they can last after you so it's not this that i will do that 
will do anything to them. And yet this was a sister who was supposed to know God. Amen. And so these things are real and they are in our everyday lives. The Bible says that temptations are sure to come. But woe to them by whom they come. So we should not be a temptation to anybody. Sometimes we get deceived and we feel that when we are a temptation to the opposite sex, it means we are attractive. But what will happen is that you will just be used and you will be discarded because your dressing, excuse me to say, makes you look like a street girl and so you will be treated as such. Amen. So let Christ be seen in the way we dress. Let's not just do things because it is fashion. And sometimes it may not even be in the way we dress, but discreet is also in comportment, the way you comport yourself. And some of us, you know, I was listening to um, a prophetess, Juanita Bynum, she said that when she was, she was a Christian all right, that she had some problems, she, she just knew how to move her body. She just knew how, you see. And the opposite sex will never know that this is what is working on them. But you know that you are not being discreet. You understand? When you are standing with Brother Kosi and then you say to them, Oh, Brother Chris, you know what you are doing. You are fully aware. And you feel that you are walking your way through. But temptations are sure to come. But woe to them by whom they come. Jesus said that it would be better for a millstone to be cast around your neck and you would be drowned in the sea than that you should cause any of the little ones to sin. Amen. We are also supposed to be temperate in our thought lives. A woman's emotions and her thoughts are the battlegrounds of her life. I think that emotions enrich our lives. Amen. It's good that we can feel because it makes us sympathetic, it makes us caring, and it makes us feminine. Amen. But these same things can be very problematic for us. And so can our thought lives. Now I want you to read with me 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 5. Romans 12, 2. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 5. And Romans 12, 2. Now some of the emotions and the thoughts that we suffer from are depression, fear, anger, jealousy, and lust. These are some of the things that the enemy uses against us because he knows that we are emotional beings. Women are special because they are more refined. That is why we have the emotions that we have. Second Corinthians 10. Are we there? Four to five. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 
Now what I want to dwell on is bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You have to chain your thoughts to come to the obedience of Christ. You have to take captive your thoughts to come into the obedience of the word and of Christ. Amen. Our thoughts have a tendency to wander. Our thoughts have a tendency to do what they want to do. Our minds. Our minds have a tendency to make us depressed. We think all sorts of negative things and then we get depressed. We think in the past and we are not able to move on. We think in the present when the circumstances are not favorable. And we, we, it makes us fear for the future. When we fear for the present, we dread the future. That is what happens. And the Bible says that God has given us weapons so that we can bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Daughter, you can bring your thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You have the power and the ability to do that. Because every battle is in your mind, first of all. Every battle starts from the mind. That is why Paul says that we refute every argument and every high thing that stands against the knowledge of God. God's word will be saying, it's going to be alright. Trust me. Believe in me. And your thoughts will be saying, no. Don't you remember the other time what happened? Don't you remember that he let you down the other time? What, do, what guarantee do you have? The next time, he's not going to do it again. And then it produces hurt. And hurt produces resentment. And resentment produces bitterness. And then it goes on and on. The devil knows that it is your thought life that he needs. And then he can have all the other areas. Amen. It is a strategic place where he can get you. So that he can get the other areas of your life. But that is not the plan of God. Romans 12 2 says that we should be renewed in our minds. Amen. It says, do not be transformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. And it didn't say that pray that an angel will renew your mind. Pray that somebody will renew your mind. God gives us ministers so that our minds can be renewed. But you will have to renew your mind. Amen. Sometimes you think about your background and you begin to fear. You say, hey, Sister Isi didn't marry. Sister Lamyoko didn't marry. Sister Lamle didn't marry. What about me? Then fear and then dread for the future begins to come into your life. Amen. These are all thoughts that you must bring into captivity. And fear is one of also the emotions that women battle with. But the mind is the battlefield. So if you will tackle the leader, that is the mind. All the other things will fall into the right place. Amen. Most of the time we have anxieties. Anxiety is fearing about something that has not happened. But you are anxious and you are so afraid that it will happen. So you live as if it has happened. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Be anxious. Be careful for nothing. Have no anxiety. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto him. But some of us weep so much that we cannot make known our request to him. We are so embroiled in our emotions and the pain that we cannot make known our request to him. Amen. But he says have no anxiety. It is not an option. It is not something you can play around with. 
it is a command that has no anxiety. It is part of God's commandment and you have to obey it. You are not supposed to entertain anxieties. Amen. But in everything by prayer. And sometimes we feel that we pray down, but what? You know? But in everything by prayer. That is God's way. And God's way is always the best. Amen. Sometimes we think and analyze so much, we become confused. And we don't know what to do. And you know what? Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 8, Why reason ye among yourselves? There are times when I have come into situations and I've sat down to analyze. So why? Okay. He said that this because of this. So if he said this, then it means that that is really the frame of his mind. And based on what happened on Thursday, then it means that on Friday, this also is going to happen. Then in the end, you leave yourself confused. Because you are analyzing. And Jesus said, why reason ye among yourselves? Your reasoning will not get you far. Amen. And as we reason and reason, we find out that we feel that we have a right to be right. Amen. You think you have a right to be right. And when you are not right, it's also no problems. And then these kind of thoughts also lead to doubt and unbelief. And you picture things that are not really so. You picture the worst. If you are melancholic, woe is you. It can lead you to become judgmental, critical, and have a suspicious mind because of the way you think. I believe that the children of Israel, the Bible says that they were supposed to make the journey in a matter of days. But because of their attitude, it took them 40 years. And the attitude was because of their mentality, the way they were thinking. So the way you think can lead you to a wilderness mentality. And I want to take you through some of the things that are a wilderness mentality. Deuteronomy 1 verse 2 and Deuteronomy 1 verse 6. Amen. Deuteronomy. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea as the Lord spoke to me. And we scattered Mount Seir for many days. Verse 6. You shall buy food from them with money that you may eat. You shall also buy water from them without money that you may drink. For the Lord... Where am I? That you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you are trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord has, God has, your Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Amen. You have lacked nothing. Moses was speaking to them about the desert years. He was saying that they have gone round about in circles. They, you have turned and journeyed into the wilderness. And we have scattered Mount Say for many days. You understand? The Mount Say was part of the journey, but they were supposed to go around it just once. But they had gone around it in circles. And it is like that in many of our lives. We have gone around one situation in circles. We have tried to change things that only God can change. And we have walked with a wilderness mentality. The first mentality in the wilderness was that 
Our future is determined by our past and present. The people felt like their future was determined by what had happened in Egypt and what they were experiencing in the wilderness at the time. Amen. And most of us are not able to move away from our past and from our present situations. Amen. We go through something and we are not able to forgive or we are not able to forget or we are not able to put failures and disappointments behind us. So we are always looking in the past. If you are driving and you are always looking into your rear mirror, you are going to crash. Amen. And many times we come into situations where we cannot see where God's hand is going to come from. When we analyze the situation, we don't know how things are going to get better. Amen. And it makes us worry and it makes us anxious. But Jesus said, I will give you beauty in the place of ashes. Ashes have no life. Ashes are things that are burnt to dust. Ashes have no value. But he is able to make beauty out of your ashes. Amen. He said that he will give you beauty for ashes. Why would he have to give you beauty if he thought that you would not have ashes? Jesus knows that you will have ashes sometimes. That broken relationship, that boy who disappointed you and didn't marry you, those were your ashes. But leave it to God. He knows how to turn a bad situation into a good one. Amen. That marriage that is failing, that marriage that is failing, that man that doesn't seem to care or doesn't seem to change, God has promised that he will give you beauty in the place of ashes. He has promised that he will make a highway in the desert. Rivers in the desert and a highway in the wilderness. In the desert there are no rivers. In the desert there's no hope. In the desert there's no life. But he says that he will make rivers in the desert. Your only thing that encourages you is because he, the greater one, is the one who is going to make those rivers. Not you. So don't try to figure it out. Amen. But just hold on to his promises. Because he who has called us is faithful. And he also will do it. Move away from your past. Is it your past failures? Is it the type of life you had? You are now a new creation in Christ. Begin to live the new things. Amen. Begin to look with hope to the future. Don't look at your current situation and say that, look, now I'm 50. When am I ever going to get married? And because of that, you crowd out all the blessings of God because you don't have this small thing that you want. Amen. And most of us also have good spouses that we can be thankful to God for. But we are always looking at that one weakness and saying, if only this will change, my world, my world will be perfect. Then you can enjoy life on the way to where you are going. Amen. And leave the rest to God to turn your beauty into ashes. Amen. Don't live by the past and don't even live by the present. But live by a God who takes you from day to day. Amen. Another wilderness mentality is, I can't take it if things are too hard. Sometimes, as Christians, you may go through a period of suffering. Sometimes, you married that Christian man and you planned life to be a certain way. None of us dream of disappointments, usually. We always dream of nice things. And sometimes you overdream and then your expectations are not met. And when you are going through the suffering and you are crying, say, God, this is too hard. 
I don't see why I should go through this. It's too much for me. But God knows. Amen. The Bible says, count it all joy when you go through various trials. The book of James also says that when you are going through something, don't behave as if something strange is happening to you. It is part of your Christian walk. Amen. Don't behave as, as if something unnatural is happening to you. You are not greater than your master. Jesus suffered shame. Jesus suffered reproach. Amen. Sometimes, even women would not, some women would not like to marry. But just because of the shame of not being married, it's like they have to marry or they have to want to marry. I believe that there are certain women who in their heart of hearts, they would have liked to be on their own. But society, family, public opinion is that you are not complete unless you are married. So it's like it also becomes their burden. That is more because of the shame and the public opinion surrounding it, more than their own desires that leads them. And so as I was saying, we go through something and we say it's too hard. And when you think that it's too hard, then you can't go through it. When I was reading the final quest, he said that he got to a place where people had gone through pain. And those pains had been decorated. Amen. Your pains will make you a better person. How would you feel for others if you didn't know what pain is? How would you feel for others if you didn't know what disappointment is? Amen. How would you feel for others if you had not gone through that period of childlessness for a while? How would you tell them that God is faithful? Sometimes it seems too hard. And it seems you've waited for too long. But God is faithful. Amen. And you will do as he has promised. Thank God we have a helper, the Holy Ghost. He's there to comfort you, to strengthen you, and to guide you into all things. Amen. Another frame of mind that doesn't help us is, I want everything immediately. Everything should happen now. But the Bible says you have need of patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you may inherit his promises. Amen. You need to be patient. It says that we should be patient just like the husbandman or the farmer. When he plants a seed, he's patient. He leaves it. He waters it and all that. But it's God who makes the seed grow. Amen. And so we have to learn to be patient in our thinking and in our attitude. To be patient with God. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with that situation. God will come through for you. Amen. Another mentality is, I feel so sorry for myself. Self-pity. I feel so sorry for myself. Uh, there's a song, you know, there's a tree. Uh, in fancy, they say, it's very nice fruit. Then only me, when I went to pluck it, mine was a stone, you know. And some of us wallow in self-pity. We think that as for us, nothing has worked for us before. As for us, everything is very bad. So, as if you are going through the problem, it is compounded by self-pity. As for me, as for this problem, I don't know how I'm going to get... You pity yourself so much, and you feel so sorry for yourself, that you lack even a spirit of gratitude. Amen. But if you have a spirit of thanksgiving, your life will be transformed. Because the Bible says that prayer with supplication and thanksgiving. Amen. But some of us look on life so gloomily that we don't come to that place of thanksgiving. 
I feel so sorry for myself. Everyone is better off than I am. Let's read John 21. John 21. 21 to 22. John. We are talking about self-control in our thoughts and in our emotions. Amen. John 21. Sometimes we are so busy comparing with others and thinking that others have a better deal that we are not even able to harness our potential or work on what God has invested in us. We are busy looking at others and we are not able to look at our lives and fulfill God's destiny for our lives. John 21, are you there? Let's read from verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Amen. We get so busy looking at people's blessings. Hey, she has a new car. Hey, she got married. Hey, she's wearing the latest. Hey, she's grown fast. Lord, what about this man? And we do not care about ourselves. Perhaps if Peter had concentrated on himself, he wouldn't have betrayed Jesus because this was at the last hour. But he was concerned about what will happen to John. And many of us are concerned about what is happening to AC, what is happening to Efwa, what is happening to Akwele. And therefore, we don't even see God's blessings on our own lives. Amen. And we are always wondering, what about this man? What about her marriage? What about her life? What about her education? Her good job? What about that? But look within you. You have tender eyes. Amen. And that tender eye will take you far. You can work on it. But you will never see your tender eyes if you are always busy looking outside your window. You know, it's called the grass is greener syndrome. People always think over the fence, the grass there is greener than here. You see, and that is the way the devil tempts us and gets into our lives. What about this man? What will happen to him? And Jesus said, if it is my will that he stays till I come, what is that to you? In actual fact, he was saying, Peter, mind your own business. So daughter, mind your own business. Amen. And as you mind your own business, you'll be grateful for the things that God has done in your life. And you will go a long way. You will be a satisfied woman. Amen. The next attitude is, I don't deserve God's blessings. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve God's blessings. I'm not worthy. Sometimes women have lived in reproach, you know. And we always look so soft and tender, and, but we can also be very bad in our deeds. And sometimes we did that and we feel that we are not worthy of God's love. And we are not able to move on and forgive ourselves. But God told Joshua that he will roll away the reproach of Egypt. Amen. Sometimes it is not even us. But as you stand here, maybe to minister, you come on television, people will say, Hey, what is this girl? I know it back today, she says she's preaching. So you don't even want to go to certain places because they'll remember Atori Hayes, you know, and you don't. I've said this story, but I'll say it again. I went one day 
to another church to preach at a women's meeting. When they finished, they said there was a food fair, so I should come and open the food fair. When I was going, a lady came up behind me. I was with the deacons and the pastor and his wife. And, and said, oh, Mrs. Um, Seward Mills. And so I turned said, oh, um, that was a good word. And I was like, oh, thank God. She said, um, anyway, when I was coming here, Aturi Hayes said I should say hello to you. And I'm like, oh, Aturi Hayes, who is that? You know, I couldn't remember. I said, Aturi Hayes, is he uh, my church member? I said, oh, no, your boyfriend, your boyfriend, Aturi Hayes. But I'm like, oh, I said, I was not ruffled anyway, but I said, oh, me. She said, oh, yes, you. I truly hate. He says that you are his girlfriend. I said, spontaneously, you know, I said, oh, me. My husband was my first beloved. I mean, he just came out, you know, I said, oh, me. My husband was my first beloved. So, oh, it's you, it's you. The girl said, it's you, it's you. And then when I turned around, the deacons and the pastors said, they had all turned, you know. Everybody was embarrassed. You see, and later when I came to church, I was telling some of the women with directions, ah, even if it was true, why should she come and stand there and say that? People always want to remind you of your past. And people even want to say that you are things that you are not when they begin to see that you are preaching the gospel. Do you know that? I've been to places and people have said, eh, are you, eh, did you go to France? And I said, no. So, somebody said that eh, the bishop's wife was some first man girl whom he had dated, I said, it's not me. People are looking for things so that they can say, but Christ has set you free, amen. And you are free indeed. So you don't have to walk under that reproach. And sometimes even in the church, when you fall or you make a mistake, there's a stigma on you. And you are not able to overcome that shame. But Jesus has promised, God has promised, that he will roll away the reproach of Egypt. The reproach of the sinful nature. Amen. The reproach of the past, how you were. So allow God to roll that away. And don't allow anybody to intimidate you. You are a child of God. Somebody said to me, eh, everybody has skeletons in their cupboards. You know, and it is before God that you stand or you fall. Amen. And so you shouldn't allow the reproach of Egypt to come on you. Another attitude is, I'm going to have my way or not do it at all. We want to do things our way. Ask me, this is my way. I don't care what the word of God says. This is my way. And many times it makes us stray outside the will of God. We do things we are not supposed to do because that's my way. I once talked to one of my members. I said, ah, your husband says that when you wake up for four days, nothing has happened. You are just in a mood. You are just angry. Why? So that, that's how I am. I said, oh, but we're supposed to be changed from glory. To don't sit in that mood. Don't sit in that character. Don't sit. I'm going to say, as for me, I'm sanguine. So I'm unreliable. That's how I am. You know, you are not supposed to be like that. You are a child of God. You have the genes of God in you. And you are supposed to change that. Now, how can we change the way we think? How can we stop worrying? How can we stop being anxious? Philippians 4, 8. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Why would God tell you to think on these things if he didn't know that you would sometimes want to think about other things? He says, whatsoever things are true. Some things are true, but they are not honest. Some things are honest and true, but they are not pure. Some things are honest, true and pure, but they are not lovely. 
They are not of good report. Amen. It must meet all the tests. It must be true. It must be honest. It must be pure. It must be lovely. It must be of good report. There must be virtue in it. It must be praiseworthy. And the Bible says, think on these things. Amen. You can bring your mind into captivity. The birds will fly over your head. But don't let them make a nest in your head. Amen. If only we would think we would change our thought processes, our lives would be transformed. That unbeliever man you are trying to change, leave him to God. God is sovereign. God says that the battle is not yours, but mine. He didn't just say the battle is mine. He said it's not yours. He had to make that premise because you are always fighting your own battles. So he had to first of all tell you the battle is not yours, okay? First. Secondly, it's mine. Amen. So we need to think about things that are true, things that are honest, things that are pure, and things that are of good report. You've got to fight for it. Amen. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Good thoughts don't just come. You've got to fight for it. You've got to listen to tapes regularly. Amen. Faith building tapes. That will build up your faith and charge you up. So that when you come out of your closet, you know where you are going. And many times we fall into depression and all these thought lives because we don't redeem the time. We use our time for idle things, gossip, talking, unnecessary things. You get yourself a walkman, get yourself a little radio and begin to soak in the word. Meditate on it day and night, day and night, day and night. You will make good success and you will make your way prosperous. Amen. It's time to get into the word for ourselves. It's time to know God for ourselves. As Lady Pastor Gifty said, nothing satisfies more than Jesus. Nothing satisfies more than Jesus. Maybe one of these days I'll preach on the satisfied woman. Nothing satisfies more than Jesus. Amen. The woman of the world, she had been through five relationships and yet she had not found the living water. She was still not satisfied. So it's not these things. That boyfriend, or that he's not the one going to satisfy you. That is not what God intended. He intended that he should be enough for you. Amen. So guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart. Let the word be in your heart. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Associate with people who will stir up the word in you. Amen. Let the word be more important than your circumstances, than the things that you see around you. Amen. Get close to God, and God will get close to you. Amen. Take your thought captive. Turn to the next person and say, take your thought captive. And bring it to the obedience of Christ. Tomorrow is Sunday, so we have to rush through quickly. So, it goes on. Admonish them to love their husbands, to love their children. You would think that love is just an emotion. You will naturally love your husband. But the highest point of love is 1 Corinthians 30. Love in spite of and not because of. Now, when you are in a relationship, you usually love because of. His nice, tender, deep voice. How are you today? You know, I used to read so many Mills and Boone books in Wesley Girls. So I had this very romantic picture, you know, of how a relationship should be. 
And I always used to argue with my friends. My roommate Adele, she used to always say, um, you must work at relationships. Said, ah, if you really love the person, why use even the word work? Why should you work at a relationship? For me, I believe in love at first sight. And then when you meet at first sight, you sit on horseback and then you gallop into life and then into eternity. And you know, in Milsenburg, most of the men in it are tall, dark, and handsome. Dark, handsome, and then they have some husky voice. So when they speak on the phone, hello, I thought that that was, that was it. You know, and for those of you who have been reading romantic books, woe is you. You have uh, unrealistic expectations. Come down to life and be real. And First Corinthians 30 talks about love, being patient, kind, and all that. And sometimes in your marriage, you may not feel like loving, but you can walk in First Corinthians 13. Amen. And the emotions will follow. Amen. But you don't wait for the emotions before you love. Because your emotions are so fickle that you cannot depend on them. Amen. One man of God said, his emotions are so fickle. One night, he felt like locking his wife in the wardrobe forever. And the next morning, he was so in love. So he found out that his emotions are not things to go by. Amen. <laughs> to love their children. You should love your children. Children can sometimes get on your nerves. And they can drive you up the wall. But you must also teach them love by example. Amen. To be discreet, we talked about that. To be chaste. Homemakers. Some of us are busy casting out demons that we don't keep our homes. When your husband comes and says, why is there no food? You say, oh, I was catching revelations from heaven. You're supposed to be a homemaker. Make your home a comfortable place to come to. Amen. Make your home a clean place to come to. Be, be innovative. Don't always make banco and fitridici, banco and fitridici. Look for cookie books and do something new. Amen. If it's bad stew, make a little bad stew on the side. As a side dish, amen. Learn new things from each other. You go to somebody's house, you eat something that is nice. Then you ask the person, Oh, can I have the recipe? Or the person has made, let's say, guy photo, and you realize that you've been struggling with this guy photo, but your own is always not nice. Ask the person, How do you go about it? So, do you put the gary in when the stew is on the fire? Because when you do, then the gary becomes some way, you know. So, we must learn from each other as women how to make our homes, amen. If it's uh, pottery or putting flowers or something, you know, learn to make your house nice. It's not always money. Sometimes it's just taste. And you can acquire taste from the other person without being jealous of the other person. The only painful thing is that usually jealousy starts with admiration. Saul admired David and said, oh, he's a good boy. Let him come. And he even gave him a place in the palace. Let him stay there. And let him... But as David flourished, then it turned into jealousy. You see, but as women, let us drive out jealousy. Let us learn from each other and make our homes a nice place to come to. Some of you, it's your husbands who are hospitable. When people come to your house, you say, good morning, madam, good morning. Is your mother, your husband, no. When will he come? I don't know. Okay, madam, I'm going. Okay, fine, bye. <laughs> These are real things. I've sometimes counseled women about it. Sometimes it's not even because they want to be some way, but some people are afraid of social life. I mean, they just don't want it. You know, somebody told me that, Sister Mom, it's not that, but when I come, I just serve the people, but I feel some way to sit with them and chat. I don't know whether 
it was an inferiority complex, but you can overcome all these things, amen, and make your home a place to come to. After all, the Bible says that when people are hospitable, they have entertained angels unawares. There are many packets of blessings that come with being warm and hospitable and being a homemaker. You'll be inconvenienced sometimes, but it will make you a good person. Good-natured. Let's work at that. Don't just snap at everybody who, who comes in opposition to you. I mean, sometimes even people are just innocently teasing you a bit. I don't like that. You, you just snap at them and then they just also record that. Hey, it's okay. You know? It's all, where have you been? You have not been coming to church. Who told you? They just attack you. That you, you, you cannot. Everything you say, they, they have a problem with it. They are so touchy and so picky. But usually, it's because such, a people, such people have a need. You see, they are not very confident of themselves. They have a need. And they use that to cover the need that they have. And so you also should see beyond that and say, Oh, it's just a weakness. You'll get over it. Amen. And with that, we can nurture good relationships. Obedient to their own husbands. Thank God it said own husbands. Because sometimes some men from outside, even fathers can try and come and exert their authority over you. But the Bible says you should be obedient to your own husbands. I believe that submission wins a man's heart. Amen. I mean, when you just submit, everything else fl- I mean, flows for you. You see, Delilah, it is said, was a bad woman. But she used the right tricks or the right, she did the right things. Her lap was a place of solace for her husband, her, her, con- uh, her boy. <laughs> Samson, you see. And she was always there for him, telling him things, cuddling him. And even though men are so great and so strong, they are also, you know, they have that other side. I'm intimidated a bit, but... uh, But the word of God may not be blasphemed. Amen. And I believe that as younger women seek the counsel of older women, and as older women also try to unfold younger women, our church will go far, the gospel will go far, And you and I will fulfill our God-given destiny. God bless you. Shall we pray? Pastor Paul, we need you. See here. To make you discreet. To make you chaste. To make you all that he wants you to be. Thank God he changes you from glory to glory. He never gives up on you. He always works on you. Talk to him. Talk to him about your thought life. Take captive every thought and bring it into the obedience of Christ. Resist the evil spirits of worry, anxiety, fear, fear and dread and jealousy and all those things that seem to attack you. Resist the spirit of depression. You have the power and the ability. In Jesus' name. 
ask him to comfort you concerning your fears concerning your anxieties concerning the things that unsettle you ask him to comfort you the holy spirit is here oh thank you comforter god understands our frame as women he made us he understands us and he doesn't condemn us talk to him he's able he's able he's able talk to him about your past your bitter experiences he's giving you beauty for ashes the oil of mourning for gladness and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness the oil of gladness for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness cast out the spirit of depression cast out every negative spirit that drives you you have the ability to overcome it you can begin to claim his promises that he will make a highway for you rivers in the desert and highways in the wilderness tell him that you don't know how but he will do it be comforted by the holy ghost be comforted by the holy ghost holy spirit comfort us oh sweet holy spirit comfort them that are in difficult situations comfort them that can see no headway comfort them lord who are not happy with their lives and their situations comfort them sweet holy spirit comfort your people this evening comfort them oh holy spirit thank you thank you holy spirit thou comforter thank you that every situation has been turned around for good thank you that even the bad situations they will work out for our good because we love you thank you that our pain is producing gain thank you holy spirit thank you in the name of jesus amen It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.